Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, you guys, welcome to this week's Temple of Who podcast. I'm your co-host, Coach Maples, Jay Mapes here, as always. Kings, what is going on? Uh, I know you are, Juice. I saw the last play of the Raiders game. Go ahead. Our Both our games in a dramatic fashion. Yours ended on a happy note, so how's my guy doing? That was the funniest. I've never seen that. I've never seen that. I've never seen that ending in a football game ever. I just couldn't help but laugh. And the uh, funniest funny. thing, the funniest thing is watching Bill Belichick. You can see in his face, you can see the steam coming from his head. And he just had to walk off the yeah. field. <laughs> you couldn't believe what he just saw. But shout out to the Raiders. Shout out to my goal, Messi. First World Cup. Yeah, 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 for sure. Greatest for ever. Sure. And that's it, man. Good All day. Right. Here are uh resident degenerate stat correspondent. <laughs> always Jordan. What's going on, with my guy? Doing good. I'm surprised. Uh, I'm surprised Kings is such a Messi fan, though. Coming from Argentina, I mean, I thought that would like. I thought I thought that'd be a country that you would absolutely hate. Uh, man, Messi's a Messi's just too good, man. Got to acknowledge greatness. We have a very very special guest this week. As we told you, we're trying to get around the whole league. We like to invite uh, guys from different fan bases, different teams. Yosef. You know him on NBA Twitter at Thunder Film Room. Yosef, what is going on? How are you? Welcome to the show, my guy. What's up, y'all? I really uh, appreciate you having me on. Um, excited to talk some Thunder Hoops. As I told you in the DMs, really excited to talk about the Lakers, too. Um, <laughs> I feel like you're like the only like level-headed Laker fan on Twitter. Um, the rest is just kind of unrealistic. In my well, King, Kings keeps me balanced. You know, he he lets me know as long as you got, you know, LeBron and AD, you do have a, at least a, t- a 10% shot. So we balance each other out, man. It's all it's all love. Not much credit. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um let's start off with your thunder, man. Um let, 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 let's deep dive there. Right now they're 12 and 18th, 23rd net rating. But they interest me. They have we were talking about this last week. Well, this is why we reached out to you. They have 10 first round picks in the next three drafts. Uh more going beyond that. A few players on this roster I'm very intrigued with. Just how are you taking this season? Uh, me and Kings in the preseason thought that they would be one of the teams in the Wimby sweepstakes. They are actually rather competitive night to night, very rarely getting blown off the floor, competitive team, have a burgeoning superstar, which we're going to get into in a minute. Just what are your, just as a fan, analyst of the team so far, what are your initial, you know, 30 games in, what is your take on the team so far, just in, in, the, in the grandscape of this season? Yeah, um, as you said, competitive every night, which I think is something that, has been a thing the past couple years. Um, past two years, they've been up there in terms of like most comebacks within like falling down from 15. It's one of those teams mm. that are like pretty annoying if you're a contender to play. I think you'd be yeah. expecting them to just quit and they don't. Um, 
excited. I think a lot of people came into the season with unrealistic expectations in terms of like year two leaps with like Josh Giddy or like, or just expecting a lot of rookies to have an instant impact. And like, I think you guys would know, like as rookies, like very rarely have an impact on winning, um, especially on the defensive end, which yeah. like, I think after the first 10 games, we had like a top 10 defense, um, which obviously 10 games is a really small sample size, but they had a top 10 defense until February of last year. Um, and then the defense has fallen off, which has kind of been a bummer for me. Uh, but other than that, it's it's really as expected. I think the biggest thing like I watch, and as you guys say, the 10 draft picks is like the lack of self-creation other than like the budding superstar you have. Um, you lack spacing. You have guys who can't really create for themselves. And then when Shea's off the court, it's kind of a just a cluster. Like oh, yeah, guys yeah. are kind of lost out there. Uh, no big man as well, which in my opinion is like, the sneakiest way of tanking you already lack perimeter defense so then you don't have a rim protector you're playing poku at the five most nights open gym um, baby <laughs> yeah hey it's you know guys are getting to the rack easily um you have one true point of attack defender and lou dort so there's openings there um that's why i think on defense a lot of the time you see them over helping early rotation stuff like that um and i think that's how they ended up having a top 10 defense early um just guys you know like shea was engaged early on fell out of it got back engaged um which that's really all i can ask for from him he's been pretty checked out on the defensive in the last two years yeah I, um I, me and kings have both talked about this before on the pod it's hard when you got to carry that amount of load offensively it's very rare that you're going to be super engaged on the game that's just the way the game is played your body just tires out i, I don't care what good shape you're in it's hard to do that for 36, 37 uh, minutes a night. Yeah. Just go, going deeper into this roster, you know, tell us, I see Chet. I really think Chet could have done well this year. Just They just would have let him play with the minutes. Just the experience alone would have done wonders. So that that that, that was kind of sad to see that injury. But Chet, Giddy, Poku, Trey Mann, Jalen Williams, the one you drafted early. Got two Jalen, the one you got early. Who stays on this roster? And, and who, do you, who do you want to stay who do you possibly want to upgrade? It just seems like it's just it's like almost too much youth on the roster right now, uh, if if that makes sense. So, where are you with the roster makeup, and what do you want to see happen next? No, I agree with that. I, I was actually a, a opponent of like the whole like you you can have too many, but you can't have you can have too many ball handlers. I didn't oh. ever agree with that. Like I would say a year ago or so, um, especially because of the way they were using the G League, like sending guys down periodically just like pretty much taking turns um but i do think like this year's kind of shown me that like yeah you can have too many ball handlers and there's gonna be guys whose like development gets hindered and i know like at the end of the day most organizations like are gonna take as many swings as they can so maybe they're not as much prioritizing like maximizing every guy's development um that's more of like pro player side i guess um but like to me, it's it's more about like just seeing someone like Trey Mann, for instance, uh, right now going through a shooting slump, and his game is so predicated on just the ball going in the basket. Like, right. back Twitter loves that guy, and I mean the the space creation, the deceleration, it's special. Uh, but like that's a guy who just got sent down to, and he doesn't like. I think his assist ratio early in last year was like less than one to like two, I think. Like he's it was definitely really a bad. First. He's definitely yeah. first. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Um he he improved his finishing, uh, which is which is fun. He's put on some muscle, which like you think, okay, maybe the muscle plays a part in that. 
Um, I think the biggest thing for me is just finding guys who can kind of do it on both ends of the court. Cause right now, like I've never been like overvalued defense, but like when you watch them, like for instance, Jalen Williams, the one we took early, I mean, you can be a liability as a rookie, but he just looks lost, whether it's as a point of attack or if it's team. Um, and he has one of those problems that like a lot of jumbo creators have, you know, where they like can't drop their hips, like giddy, uh, Scotty Barnes kind of had as a two where it's just these high hips where they're just getting burnt every time their handles really high up. Um, so like, it's just one of those things. I think that's one thing, like a lot of fans, especially when they started, like we were, we got over 500 for the first time this year in two years. Uh, I think since like January oh, wow. 9th, 2020. Um, <laughs> And so like a lot of fans were like talking about playing and playing and stuff like that. And I think that's just like, you could, you could probably, you know, push some of those 10 draft picks into like a wing. It's a wing league. You need a wing. Um, but I just don't see a, 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 like a benefit to that at all. It's, it's one of those things like, yeah, I, I this Thunder fans had this like phase where they sounded like Laker fans almost, where it's like you're wasting Chase season, you know, where they're like, you're wasting 38 year old, 38 year old LeBron, you know, like you can't. And I, I get it. You can't waste like an all NBA season, but whenever like the guy tells you he's in, like he understands it, the Thunder have said it pretty much that they're waiting until the 2023 off season to do anything because of the new CBA. So like I oh, expected yeah, yeah, this yeah. season. Yeah, because like they got they got screwed over twice last time with the Rose rule, which prevented them from like wanting to pay Harden and then the TV's cap spike that got uh, KD to Golden State. So like I can understand. Oh, wow. as to why. I, I forgot about all that. Wow. Yeah, you guys. Did, yeah. You guys were on the bad into both those both those uh, rule changes. Wow. Yeah, that uh, so that's like I understand it. Um, I think there's a lot of impatience growing from fans and stuff like that. But like to me, this is a developmental year. Um. The Chet stuff does suck because I think someone like Giddy, he like he he can create for himself. His strength creation slightly getting there, um, but like he needs a a role man or at least a pick and pop guy. And whenever like Poku setting you screens, and don't get me wrong, Chet isn't like a very good screener, but at least for him to be able to roll to the rim, his catch radius, there's just like I I genuinely do think like Giddy's development is being hindered there, and it's why he like he really struggled in November and in October, um. But like I, I do think they're they're heading the right way. Um, my biggest thing just always comes back to like self creation. They like really lack it. And like I noticed last year when I was watching the playoffs, when the game slows down, you need guys to be able to score for themselves. There just is not enough of that on the roster. And I'll, I'll let Jordan go. I mean, I think to your point, the defense. What surprised me when Jordan told me to pay attention last year. Chet was way further along defense defensively than I thought. I thought he he would have been a great help. And now he's an outstanding help defender. He just understands angles, how to use his length. So I think I let Jordan go like as far as that. But yeah, I think that's where you guys really miss Chet. He would have given some yep. you know, defensive presence weak side at least. He's Almost. one of the best like job coverage defenders, yeah. like prospects I've ever seen. All right. Go ahead, Jordan. I almost wore my Chet Holmgren jersey just for <laughs> Decided against it, but no, what I really wanted to ask you was because we were talking about the the shot creation and, and how they were, how they've like lacked that without SGA. Well, SGA doesn't play the other night and they blew Memphis out, basically. I mean, they really controlled that game from, from front to back. I do think that Trey Mann, you know, his like upside is definitely as a six man, in my opinion, like a guy that can come in and just give you buckets, right? But where do you see this roster, like, going forward from here is SGA going to be a part of this roster in two years or is he someone that they're going to flip for maybe a more established star potentially 
because before this offseason, I know when, when uh Jason Kings, myself, we talked about it on their last episode of Temple of Hoop last year. I said, if you're um Boston, do you consider offering a trade of like Jalen Brown for SGA, like a package centered around there? Obviously, not a one on one flip. But what do well, you what do you think? Well, go, go, go I, I think Shea. I, I think Shea's like the. I had questions about if he could be the center stone of the franchise a year ago. Um, I think he's like answered every question repeatedly, um, especially after All Star break. I'll never forget. Like I was sitting down with my buddy, and I was like, I think like he makes himself untouchable in this run, and then he like goes and averages like thirty points the whole second half of the season. Um, so I, I just don't see him getting moved. They, he's repeated multiple times that like he's understanding of the game plan. And obviously in two years, if you still like haven't made a playoffs and you weren't competitive, then like things can obviously change. I mean, two years is so like, that's so long in the NBA. And what I think is, I think the play is right. If you're not a free agency destination, you got more picks than you could use coming up. Don't you flip those to bring the help in? That's, that's what my like initial takeaway is that plethora of picks. Like, you know, I think if Toronto continues to 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 you know go downhill, you can get an OG and an OB or something like that with some picks or whatever. Or just you can find a wing with those picks. And it's not a free agency destination. You gotta you gotta kind of I think you do it kind of do it what New Orleans did. You just flip whatever you have to get assets and use that to get players. And hopefully get them to commit after that. You know after they get no, into exactly. your program. I think that's the way you have to do it if you're not a free agency destination. Do not sleep on Santa Clara's own Jalen Williams. I'm telling you. I like him. <laughs> no, yeah, he's, I mean, he's, his offensive creativity is fun. Sorry, go on, Kings. Oh, no. I mean, uh, I'm, um, Maple's kind of touched on the head. That was what I was going to ask. I mean, what's the plan with the picks? <laughs> I mean, like, I, I kind of talked about in the last episode because uh, we had this discussion before and we had it on a timeline. Somebody said, you know, as much picks as you have, if a team gets – the number one pick and the shot Victor Webinyama, they're not trading him for nope. 10 first round picks. They're not doing it. You know what I mean? So it's like, at what point does the picks become a hindrance? Because mm. it's like te- other teams know you can't use them all and they know you have to get them off you because you can't use them all. So it's like, at what point does that leverage get used against you? And if you do want to trade those picks, like who do you target? And I think Maples had a good point when targeting guys like uh, OG but then when I when I think about that, it's like, damn, now you kind of have to overpay for those guys because it's like, nah, you know what I mean? Man. You know what I mean? Because it's like, you know, you're not going to be able to be in the running for like the big names like KD, you know, maybe, you know, if if we get def- desperate in Minnesota, we want to reload our picks, maybe we'll trade cap. But it's like, you know what I mean? It, it's just. He just wants OG in, in Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm just saying, you know, I'm just saying, you know, it's just, it's a short list. Um, depending on what type of team you are. But uh, you do have a lot of picks, so you can overpay for whoever you want. Um, it's just, yeah, so I get I me. Mean, who would you target? And then what do, you think the plan, what do you think the plan is with having all those picks uh, if you don't get Webb and Yama? Uh, can you repeat that? You just froze for like the last oh. 20 seconds for me. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, sorry. I, I'm sorry. No, my fault. I said, um, who would you target with all those first-round picks? And then, uh, you know, what would the plan be going forward if you, let's say, you don't get a Web and Yam or even a Scoop? Uh, what would you, what would your, what would your plan be going forward with all those picks? 
Yeah, I think a Wembenyama and Scoot is like a very far-fetched thing, even though I've still ho- held on to the hope of like being able to get top lottery odds. Um, I think at the end of the day, the picks are really just there. The way I view picks is like money, their assets. I think that's what like whenever people do crack the jokes about like, oh, you the picks thing is getting ridiculous. Do we say it's ridiculous when people have too much money? Like that's what it is right now. It's compensation <laughs> for true, what true. you want. <laughs> Um, like they, they wanted Usman Jank at pick 11 this year. They paid three first rounders and they got him, you know, like that's, you can go get your guys whenever you have those picks. Mm. Obviously there's limits, as you said, like, I mean, if I was a team, even if I was like, say if I was, uh, Houston and I offered them Shea in every first round pick we have for Wemby, I still probably wouldn't do it just because it's just, you know, it's just, that's an untradeable pick realistically. Um, I do like how Maple said OG. I was thinking about OG earlier as well, because um, I think he probably costs you a lot less than someone like Pascal Siakam does. Um, and also the thing with like teams knowing like you can't pick all these guys. I, to me, that's like on the team. Um, like say if someone offers you three first round picks, but we only offer you four, but you're like, we know Oklahoma city has more. We want more. That's just bad front office stuff. That's, That's like right. San Antonio oh. taking the Toronto deal. Yeah. Um, LA, well, yeah. yes, you can. Yeah. You can have bad blood, whatever, whenever like you're not putting your franchise first, that's on you. And then mm. like, those are deals where like, I'm cool with walking with them walking away or overpaying. I've always said like, especially in drafts, like, if you're going to overpay for a prospect, but you're getting your guy, then I could care less. Like they, they realistically overpaid for Poku. It was probably, he's probably a 1% chance of hitting, but he was their guy in the 2020 draft. So they got him and that's perfectly fine to me. I also think this draft is very deep with wings. And obviously that's like the Thunder's number one. The wings are very nice, very good picks. You probably get like a Brandon Miller in the middle of the lottery, Nick Young. I mean, there's a, I'm sorry, not Nick Young, Nick Smith, Anthony Black. Nick, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's there's just there's a ton of guys in this draft that I think that obviously Sam Presti is one of the best uh, analyzing talent. Um, so I think that they could they could find him. I I mean, I, I'm I was really looking forward to uh, Gideon Holmgren, man. I really was because I think that would be an absolutely dynamic pick and roll, pick and pop duo. So I was kind of hurt. Do you think that there's any chance? With because you said that SGA is probably the franchise guy going forward. Do you think there's any chance that OKC moves off Josh Giddy? That I've been thinking about this a lot the past few weeks, uh, because especially of how rough they started out. Um, I think they're really bought into Josh at least till the end of next season. Um, and then obviously, I don't think they'll make like a mistake Toronto does where like you you're in discussions to trade for a star, but you're like, oh, I'm not trading Scotty Barnes. I don't see that scenario happening. Um, the biggest thing with Josh, it's his swing skill. It's so simple, but it's really the shot. Um, no one's asking you to hit off the dribble hezies, just a simple catch and shoot jumper. Mm. Um, and there has been some improvement this year. He's up to like 32%. Uh, but obviously that's still a small sample size and 32 isn't good, but compared to when you shot 26, <laughs> the year, when you shot 26, the year prior, like I would take it. I was just wanting him to shoot 30 this season. Um, and, you know, so I, I do think there's maybe a chance one day, but I think right now they're very much sold on like the, the jumbo creators, long lanky guys. Um, the problem with Josh and Shea is like, Josh is going to be that guy in the playoffs where you're hiding him in the corner on defense. Yeah. Um, mm, yeah. He, he, his, his feel of the game makes up sometimes in terms of off ball defense, 
but like he'll never be a chaser. He'll never ever be a point of attack guy. Like that's going to be one of those things where like you really have to find a way to overcompensate. And that's why I liked when you said OG, because I really think like, especially with someone like Chet, like I think if you can get two long, lanky point of attack wings, I think your team in terms of like starting five is set right there. That's that's actually pretty interesting, as you said, if because in my opinion, if Giddy can't be a plus on defense, you can't you can't keep him because he can't shoot. So if he can't oh. shoot and if he's not a plus defensively, you're not winning with that guy on the floor. You have to trade him. Like, you just have to trade him. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's uh moving on to to Shay, burgeoning superstar, thirty one six and five fifty thirty four ninety three splits sixty two true shooting percentage. I uh, went to a deep dive on on his numbers. He's the ninety fifth percentile as a pick and roll ball handler, ninety first percentile in ISO, eighty five percent ninety fifth percentile coming off dribble handoffs, uh per B ball index. He's in the hundredth percentile in playmaking talent. Uh, leads top of the NBA and drives per 24 possession. Just insane rim pressure he puts on every night with no spacing, which no with no spacing was even more impressive to me. Um, man, I think we already touched on your, you know, his timeline versus teams. You said he's bought in. I will take your extra word for that. I believe you. Just your take on the leaps he's made from last year to this year. And just, you know, where do you put him amongst the, the young guards? He's only 24, amazingly enough. Yeah, I, I I really like to quote that Mark Dagnold said a few days ago, actually. And he was like, if you like, it's, it's just he's getting more attention right now. And obviously right. more volume. But this is stuff that like the second CP got traded. It took probably two months into the 2020 season where like he had one of the greatest, like statistically one of the greatest self-creation stretches we've ever seen in basketball. Hmm. Um, I, I say statistically because I think just saying the claim out there is a really bold claim. Um, but I, I think it's always been there. The shooting has dropped off, but he he's honestly one of the best drivers in the league. One of the best drivers we've seen in the past 10 years. Top um, five, top five in the league for himself. It, it's ridiculous the way he creates angles, not only at the rim, but in terms of whenever he gets cut off, the way he can counter um, his just the way he knows where everyone is on the court at all times. Uh, and his biomechanics are ridiculous. His shins are going 90 degrees with the floor. Um, it's <laughs> it's utterly I it, it's hard for me to even grasp uh, elite deceleration and just the way. I hate to use this term, but like the bag is just getting deeper. Like the other night he's hitting these like behind like back turn fadeaway jumpers and it's just like all right the real last final step here is the three ball um and i i was very a strong proponent of like it going back up this season because it dropped off last year i was like there's three years of data that supports him being a good shooter he's probably not a what he shot 41 during the no fan season he's obviously not that (laughs) high but like he's gonna be league average and obviously that struggled um but he's almost completely before these past few games, he almost completely took the three ball out of his game. Uh, it was almost DeMar DeRozan-esque where he was just getting all of his buckets 
in the at the in the paint in the mid range. Um, and he's gotten himself to become a little uh foul merchant, which you know years ah. of going against Harden, you know, uh, I've hated. Uh, but as my buddy tweeted the other day, like, hey, if you don't want him to get to the line, stop fouling him, right? That's what Rockets fans said for years. Hey, like, I, I mean, I, I'm gonna. I, 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 I didn't. So it wasn't even Thunder fans. It was uh, Canadian basketball fans, Canadian basketball Twitter. I was like, man, SGA getting this superstar whistle out the blow is 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 killing me because it was it was against the Pelicans. I was like, man, they keep they keep calling everything on this dude. They actually called the charge at the end that sealed the game that that night, if you remember. But man, I got attacked by a bunch of Canadian basketball fans. Like, throw the stuff out. No, hey. The Canadians are crazy about Man. Shea. Like, uh, yeah. you want to talk about an arch enemy of like Thunder fan base is like Canadian and Raptor. Fans. They want, they want, like, they, want him, they want him in Toronto. Yeah, yeah. yeah oh, God, it's like well, it, it's Jason. Go. You should bring that up because last week we were discussing this, and Jason said, you know, there's no secret that obviously Toronto wants Shea. Yeah. We're saying that Shea wants to go back home. See, I, think, I, I don't know if it's confirmed Shane wants to go back home. I just heard rumblings, but um, yeah, I think he's, uh, I mean, you said he's bought in. You, you're you the OKC guy. You're telling us. <laughs> hey, I've also said to people who like say, oh, Shane to Toronto, all right, give me Scotty Barnes. Give me all the draft picks. Like, if we, if we want to talk, let's talk, you know, like, <laughs> Rocket, said, let's like, make a deal. Hey, like, Raptor fans will like be in my mentions posting like, OG and like two first rounders, and they're even then they're like, oh, we're overpaying. I'm like, get out of here, dog. Like, I want I want the picks for the next decade. All right. Like, Raptor fans been obsessed with trying to fleece people. That they, they couldn't even fleece Palinka. They need to just give that up, bro. Right, right, right. They did fleece the uh, they did fleece the Spurs, though. Right. Man. Yeah, man. No, they've been trying to hit a they've been trying to hit another league since and they haven't hit it. Like they just need to give right. it up, bro. Like that was so, just out of spite. So real but, quick, I, I I gotta ask you, Yosef. So I took a lot of flack for because during the draft, I remember Trey Young was the darling. And I had I saw Shea in a tournament and I was like, I think I like him long term. I, I like big guards. I like big I'm not a yeah. fan of small guards. I was like, I think I like him as the best guard in this draft class. And you know, Trey got a got a little bit of a cult following on <laughs> They're like, no, no way. But I, I think the gap is closing, if not, you know, if not even at this point. But where would you rank Shea right now amongst the young guards? Like, he's only 24. Where would you rank him in that, you know, that Ja, Trey kind of conversation, guys in the early, early, mid-20s? Where would you have him? I, I often say, like, um, I go off the now and I don't hold, like, a year and a half to, like, this guy's, like, current talking. But, like, I do think what Trey did two years ago in the playoffs matters. Um, That's fair. So I respect I that. Trey – Shea and draw in the same tier and I get people will be mm. mad that like Shea hasn't been in the playoff well he has been in the playoffs but not as the guy right um but I do think like there's three years now of data that like supports that Shea is a dude um and like it's hard for me to hold mm. against him the team's greater aspirations because like I tell people all the time could they go and make a move to get to the first round yes you have all the draft capital in the world you have all the prospects in the world and then what happens shay asks out in two years it's it's uh utah all over again you know um <laughs> and that's what like my biggest thing is with people with this whole like t- tanking thing and whatever it's like it, it's a lose-lose situation either way like i don't enjoy watching this basketball right 
But like, it's better than a first round elimination every year. And like, I, I'm very big believer in it's a wings league. And while I do, and like, there have been some exceptions to that rule, like Steph last year. Um, I do think it's hard to like put Shea with a bunch of role players and fully I, I, expect him to. I don't even think it's a, an exception because they don't win that championship without Wiggins. So I don't even think it's an exception. You gotta That's have. True. You gotta That's have. True. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I, I, I wanted to do to bring up something to, about Shea since we're on that topic because it was I had two two things to bring up because um one uh you know I, Shea was one of those guys where you know when he had that crazy shooting season and then I told people <laughs> to slow down he's not shooting like that ever again he's nice I like Shea he's nice but he's not shooting like that ever again that's when I realized he had a cult because I I swear my men I had like thirty Canadian. Canadian. I'm like, bro, when did he get this type of fan base, bro? Like, I'm not even saying he's not good. And people are mad because I wasn't calling him a top 20 player in the league. It's absolutely ridiculous. But uh, his growth has been fantastic. Um, and, you know, it's, it's just funny because when the when the Clippers made that trade, Maples, Ooh, I made, you. Maples is my witness. The Clippers made that We're trade. We're getting I said, good. Hey, I said, they're going to regret this in three years because I told Maples, Shea's going to be as good as Paul George in like three years. I literally told Maples at the day they trade, I'm like, that gap is going to close faster than what people think. And this trade will be awful in like three years. And fast forward, here we are. The trade is awful. Shay's the only, the the King's 100% right. The only bill I posted is, it's it's like you traded for Kawhi too, because Kawhi said he wasn't. Yeah, of course. That was, and that that was your defending point. Yeah. That was your only bill. Also shows that superstar players should not, with the exception of LeBron when he was in, in Cleveland. Should not be GM. <laughs> All right. No, I, I genuinely believe that trade may go down as like oh. I said it a few days after it happened. Like it could go down as one of the greatest trades of all time in terms of OKC. Like you, you could Jalen Williams and Trey Mann even hit. Like all you needed was one draft pick to hit. Right? You had Shea hit. So if you even get one draft pick to hit, I mean. Clippers fans can you want to talk about a cult following? I mean, those fans are crazy. All right. Like I, I don't tweet out no bait, but like there's an OKC reporter who like will tweet stuff out and like the death threats go crazy with them. Like it's nuts. Well, that's nuts. Um, Clipper Daryl no, got having burner accounts. <laughs> I had a, and I had one more other thing too. And this kind of goes with the with the with the uh second year players, the young player uh talk. Because we had a nice spaces, I think, a couple years before the draft, before the K draft. And there is discussion. And it was, would you trade uh, SGA in the fourth round pick for the for, fourth overall pick as OKC? Would you or the Pistons, would you trade your shot at K for SGA in the fourth pick? And Ooh. so many people were against it. I, I remember I was like, you know, I, it's enticing, but I, I don't think I do it. And then a lot, and then a lot of people, I think Tre, uh, Trev and, the, and a lot of some folks from the league was like, no, you should do that. SGA and fourth, like, you know, what I mean, that's 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 good deal, good value. And it's just like looking again with what SGA has become. I think there's just been a theme where I just think a lot of people just underestimated SGA. Like they just did not like they the talent, the physic, the physical attributes was there. The talent was there. I just think a lot of people just did not think he could put it together. Um, you know, just how has it been watching that, uh, watching him uh, just excel and uh, just develop this fast? Because I just think in a lot of people's minds, they're just like, eh, it's shy, him being this good. Nah, nah. You know what I mean? Like, What happens when you play for uh, Calipari? Oh, it, that's true. <laughs> yeah. 
it it's it's honestly one of the cooler like player development stories that I've seen in a while. Like I was watching yeah. his Kentucky tape a few weeks ago, and it's like I couldn't have told you like that he would turn into this player. Or even if you watch his uh his playoff series against Houston from two years ago, like you could clearly see that like he wasn't ready but like there were the fundamentals were there as you said like the physical attributes he was still a crafty finisher um i think the biggest thing has been just the ability to get like he had a two-shot motion um he had a big hitch he kind of removed it before the bubble and then since then it's pretty much all gone and that's really helped him in terms of his pull-up game and the way he's just able to shoot over guys uh the deceleration, the ball handle, honestly, that thing in terms of from year one until just year two, the way he was able to improve on that end. Uh, and I think that's where, you know, his deceleration really like puts defenders at a bad position because yeah, like, he can I, take I, you to the rack. Yeah, I think outside of Kyrie, he has the best change of pace dribble in the NBA. And I think that's what makes it because he's not overly like, wow, his first step is just no, it's the herky jerky, the change of direction. I can stop him going to dime. That's what it is. I think outside of Kyrie, he's probably the best at that. Like, you got guys like that John Moran, just, I'm going to get to gear five and there's nothing you can do about it. But I think Trey, uh, Shay's more so just stop, go, cross in and out. I'm going to go slow, then I'm going to go fast. And it just, you're just frozen. And then, you know, what you got, you got to foul him, right? Get a whole bunch of free throws yeah. per game because you can't stay in front of him. <laughs> Let's move on to the Lakers. Uh, some very troubling news. A former OKC legend now plays for the Lakers. Shout out, Yosef. He's here. He's going to give us his, his take on that as well. Um, unfortunately, just really sucks. AD out for at least a month. We got three differing timelines between Shams, Woj, and Trevor Lane. One said indefinitely. One said a month. One said three to four weeks. I, I don't know, but, you know, for the next few weeks at least, no Anthony Davis for the Lakers. It sucks because he was having an absolute career year. Um 27-12, two blocks, career high, 66% true shooting. Uh, two-way menace, was holding the Lakers down. They were starting to kind of shift the ship into the right direction. Kings, I'll start with you here. Just what does this mean for the Lakers, and, and what should they what should they do next, in your opinion, given that they, they don't have their pick next year? so Or don't have, don't have control of their pick, excuse me. They have, they have a pick. It's just we don't know if it's going to be theirs or New Orleans, depending on the finish. Um, what what do you think? What does this mean for the Lakers? And what should how should Belinka respond from a roster building standpoint? Um, it's it's the it's the crossroads. Um, man, <laughs> it's it's the crossroads because you cannot afford to be a lottery team and New Orleans gets that pick. That that will be absolute disaster. It will be absolute disaster if you get a pick that has Gua Henderson or Victor Webayama and New Orleans gets that pick. It, it like you there's no bouncing back from that. It, there's no bouncing back from that. You will catch hell from everybody. Your fan base, <laughs> the media, you know, the all, all the uh talking heads and, and and from every single talk sports show, like it's just bad. And then the players will turn on. Like they will turn on you in that situation because you left them out there to lose mm. and they got nothing from it. And they put their bodies on the line, play all these minutes, did all this stuff, and they got nothing from it. Like you can't have that. Like I, I don't care how broke they are. If you if that happens, <laughs> you're like that might your franchise might really just go south for the next foreseeable future. So with that being said, there's some news about Chicago trying to sell. There's some news about other people trying to sell. 
at this point, if you are committed to Anthony Davis, it's prime. You have to commit to that. Right? It's just you just have to commit. You don't have max space for a star. So really, your only chance to get a, a good guy, a good player to maximize Anthony Davis is to trade for one now. That's mm-hmm. really it. That's really the only chance you have. You don't have cap space for a max star. I repeat, you do not have cap space for a max star. The only chance you would get one is if by some miraculous thing, Kyrie Irving's walk is walks and he signs for less than the max cap space in free agency. That's like literally your only chance. Do you know how just unlikely that is at this point in time? Like for us to even utter that as like the likely scenario, like you can't even think about that as an actual free agent. Like that can't even be a plausible situation for you. Mm-hmm. So, with, so I mean, so with that said, like your best shot is to trade for that guy. Like now, like if you want to build around Anthony Davis, you have to get him now. Like there's just no other way because if you don't get him, you keep losing. It's it's you're you're done. You're done for the next four years, bro. Like I'm, I'm sorry, you're done. If, the, if you lose that draft pick. And there's a lottery pick in New Orleans. You lose that draft pick, it is done. You've lost your locker room. You've lost your assets. You've just given your uh, another Western Conference team that's already on the up another elite premier talent. So you'll never catch them. Like you're just done. So they have to make the decision now. Like they really just have to make a decision right now. Jordan, go ahead, bro. I mean, I, I agree with what Kings is saying, but I mean, like, what are you going to get from the Bulls? Like they're going to trade you DeMar DeRozan, but he doesn't make you better in my opinion, right now, because he doesn't fill any gaps that they already have issues in, you know what I mean? So I we've we've talked about this, you know, over and over again. I don't know what the move to make is. Like, Miles Turner is probably the best decision, but is Indiana willing to move off him at this point? I don't think so. Um, So I don't know where you go. Bradley Beal? Like, is Washington will, willing to move Bradley Beal? Because I, I, I saw a lot of Wizards fans today when he was questionable talking about, like, does this guy even want to play basketball at this point anymore? So maybe, <laughs> maybe he's – maybe uh, Washington will be willing to move, you know, uh, Bradley Beal. Because, I mean, they're – obviously, Washington's in a lot of turmoil, dude. They just lost to a Lakers team without Anthony Davis. Ten in a row. Ten L's in a row. Yeah, they're not good. You know what I mean? So maybe they're willing to trade a Bradley Beal and, like, Normally, I would be like, uh, is Bradley Beal like that much of a game changer? Yeah, he's a great scorer. He could fill it up, but, you know, he doesn't give you much on the defensive end. But, you know, playing next to LeBron. I, I was about to say, yeah. That could, that's a nice and he, and he, and he started his career as a good defender, so it's not like he doesn't yeah. have it in him. You know what Listen, I mean? We just, talk, we, yeah, we just talked about Shea, the, you know, that scoring load. It, it takes away from the defensive end, man. It, it really does. Uh, Yosef, go ahead. You're your unbiased view of what the Lakers move should be right now. Just what does this Anthony Davis extended absence mean? I just don't see a scenario where like your ceiling isn't this eight, seven seat. And like oh. for me, and I, I agree with Kings in terms of like when you have LeBron, especially when you have Braun, but when you have 82, you have a five to 10% chance. Like you can catch hot whenever, but I, I just don't think organizations run the way fans think they run in terms of like just punting this future um, and like giving up a 2027 and 2029 first round pick when in real, like realistically the Lakers are going to be probably not good. Then um, you're going to have an aging Anthony Davis if he doesn't ask out. And so like, I think you have to find smaller trades around the works, like make it work like the Pat Bev and Kendrick Nunn deal. And then like maybe sending out one pick, um, 
I just don't think like sending both picks unprotected is like a smart organizational choice. Like I think that's what happens like whenever you become like the what the Nets and Celtics deal a few years ago, where like the Celtics mm. just won big. You the know, Lakers are desperate. Like, they're absolutely desperate. <laughs> oh, they are. But the thing is, the Lakers like fundamentally they're not like. And I hate to say this because like I grew up a Kobe fan and like the Lakers like probably my sacred second favorite team. But like it's not a good run, like good ran organization. Oh, trust like, me, they, me and Kings know that. <laughs> you know they no pro scouting team. Like you're bro. It, you did you, I read it, that list past week? No pro scouting team. Do you know how it, unreal that is? Actually, they do have one. It's LeBron. All right, it's, it's Bron. Okay, that's that's what it is right now. Um, and like I get the point where where it's like, okay, Bron and AD made this rust trade, so like you got to figure it out. But like there is no figuring it out because number one, like when you have that much money held up to those three, especially when one of them is a complete drop off than the other two. Like mm. the, there are guys who play on the Lakers that they wouldn't touch the court on the Thunder. Like and I say that confidently. I watch Kendrick Nunn. Why I keep Nunn, telling people like, to stop getting on Ham? Like, <laughs> please, hey, talk to, them. Point. talk to them. Well, also with Ham, like people forget, coaching isn't just X's and O's, especially in the NBA. Like, it's very much like controlling attitudes and controlling egos, and like that is just as much of that as it is. Like, look at Steve Kerr. Like, are we like Steve Kerr is a great coach, but the way he's able to like control the egos. Everyone's getting theirs, whatever, like, and it works out. And I hate to say that, not a Steve Kerr. Your stars also um, makes it a little easier. Yeah, your stars help. And, like, it, it's just not a good situation in L.A. And, like, I know it's one of those situations where, like, we can't burn the, like, the good year of LeBron before he's done. And, like, AD's playing well. And I've been really critical of AD in the past. Um, but it's just one of those things where it's like, do you really – are you going to ship your whole future for what uh, – a six seven seed and then maybe reach the second round like that means you have to go the whole playoffs with half court creation like it's going to be braun 2018 what was it 2017 the, his last year with the Cavs. like if they make a last run, two that's all yeah yeah like that's <laughs> all it will be um and it's just one of those things where like i understand fans think like we're la and like there will be players to come to la but like the last time it happened, it took the greatest player, in my opinion, greatest player of all time to like yeah, walk yeah, through. Yeah, I, I think doors. people forget. People forget Kobe's last two years when he signed the the, the post Achilles deal. They had the most cap room in the NBA, and they still couldn't get anybody. So I, I don't think people understand. Like if Jerry West is not there, like that changes the dynamic. Malinka and Genie don't have the same pull as the the Jerry tandem do. Or Jerry Tanner did, excuse me. Rest in peace to the only time, and the only reason why they get guys now is because clutch. Right. That's what they like. I think yeah. at 90, 70, 80% of the roster is clutch clients, right? So people talking about, you know, making the clutch jokes, like, what would the roster be without them? You can yeah, say yeah, <laughs> because that's that's who won that's who won them the championship. It's, 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 there's no Lonnie who's been a godsend, you know what I mean? So that's that's kind of is what it is, man. That it I also I don't mean there, but I think at the end of the day. As far as the Lakers are concerned this year, I think the most important thing to them is having LeBron in the Lakers jersey breaking Kareem's record. You might be right. It's, it's the money. tickets, man. That's yeah, yeah. Marketing money. Um, Once you get down it, to that a- point where he's like, next game could break it. I mean, that's all eyes are on you. Right. I just it's 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 really unfortunate, man, for LeBron to still be, and he's still a. 
at Great least at, le- at least top ten player in the way AD was playing. Just that roster, and none of us one hundred percent know he may have had a hand in, in in the Westbrook trade. We see both camps have people put out opposing reports about who did what in that ordeal, but it's just unfortunate that for him to still be this productive, to not be on a team with with a shot at it. You know what I mean? You you hate to see a legend, you know, go 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 out this way. You you honestly do. Whether whatever side of the LeBron fan spectrum that that you're on, it's it's never good to see a legend go out this way. And the front office is contributing to that. I just can't help but yeah. think that this is just this is just a bad image just for them going forward. I just it is. That, there's no the way. There's no way stars right now are looking at how they're operating and thinking that's good. You know that's, I mean? LeBron, like, that's LeBron's that's LeBron's right, LeBron is a lot of guys' favorite player. You, you know yeah, what I mean? Le, like <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, that's an icon to so yeah. many guys and to for them to see how they're like doing him, like just throwing him to the wolves. Like, that's not gonna resonate with people. Yeah, that, it's mean, not yeah. that's wait. why like ownership is the greatest competitive like advantage in mm-hmm. the in the league. Um, and it's like similar to what KD said about the Nets a few years ago, or not Nets, about the Knicks a few years ago. Like all these old people love the Knicks, right? They talk about New York, Madison Square Garden. None of these current generation players give a shit about oh, <laughs> oh, that. True. Care about the Knicks. Like, yes, Madison Square Garden somewhere you want to play, right? But like other than that, like no one cares about the Knicks. They're more That's of funny. a laughing stock. They all want to play like, at Madison Square Garden, but don't want to play for the Knicks. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. And like, don't be wrong. There's still like that Laker gold has like meaning to it. Right. And that matters. But whenever you see how the organization is ran, like, why wouldn't you just want to play for the Clippers? You're still in the same city. I get it. It doesn't have the that that it factor, you know, but at the end of the day, like that it factor only matters to a certain amount of actual guys. Well, right. Well, like Braun would never go to the Clippers. Well, I, I, I'll say this, you know. And again, as I just mentioned, it could be changing. It will change because the, the the bust in West Tandem isn't there. But going back to like the 60s, you know, they win like two championships a decade, like at minimum, you know. So like there's some consistent, there's a history you can lean on there. And even recently, you know what I mean? Like 12 years ago, Kobe Bryant won a championship there. LeBron follows it up 10 years later. Like they get one a decade, you know. A lot of franchises can't say that. And, but like That's I said, generational the, fans too. Yeah, West, yeah, bus and West are not there, and that's what scares me because you got Linka and 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 what and Jeannie trying to, you know, spearhead the organization, and they're being consulted by Kurt Rambis. Kurt Rambis, and then you know Jeannie after we, you know, and I, if Kurt Rambis was good in his stint at basketball operations and coaching, I wouldn't say anything. But you had a guy who was not good in that role when it was officially his in his other two stops. And then you're leaning on him now for, like, serious basketball, you know, the decisions. So I think, you know, uh, I'm, I'm like Kings, man. I'm worried. I think he made a great point about, you know, other stars see this. Like, what are you willing to do to put me in the best, best position to win? You know, you can't do it for LeBron. Is this really the best that, place for me? And on top of that, they and, and on top of that, I'll say this: I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna say dumb. I think sports fans are generally smart, just just very emotional. You have a fan base that's very surface dwelling. Like, I think the biggest pet peeve thing right now is like I don't even tweet during weekdays anymore on Laker games because as soon as I go on there, 
everybody's talking about what Darvin Ham isn't doing. About what, every, five, every every every, like, every game every, every quarter. Game, bro. I'm like, bro. It's like first about, year coach, bro. <laughs> yeah. Hasn't even made so it like, to January. In, in every line, I was like, do the like talk about the lineups. Like, do the Lakers have five players that you would like? He 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 played he played everybody who they wanted to play and they still lost they, 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 and they got tired yeah, there's no like. there's, and and then they play Christie right now and Christie's having a pretty decent stretch but what Ooh. happens when that rookie wall inevitably hits that's what uh, I'm saying like it's uh, like Christie so, starts playing bad like bro this is like I, I'm just I don't even want to yeah that's why I just it just it's just very surface on top of that you know Laker fans like are, are very surface like they look on the surface so a lot of players get the blame when they shouldn't coaches get the game blame when they shouldn't like. Malinka and Genie like are just really running around like Teflon. <laughs> so yeah. that that's the other thing. Thanks. All right, it's ran like a mom and pop shop. Right, that's what it, it is. It is, it is. It's a family like a business shop, shop. So the other thing on on the back of talking about AD missing a month two days ago, uh, a stat came to my attention. I want to ask you guys about. Uh, I think this will definitely interest Jordan because you know he's big on the gambling part, and this is a big factor. So. As of two days ago, there were 427 NBA games played, and only 92 have featured both teams playing their top three players. That's 22%. Um, that is crazy to me from just a, a fan-attended standpoint, a gambling standpoint, which the NBA is reportedly trying to lean all the way into. Um, you guys think this is a big issue? Like, that's, that's, a, that's a lot. That's a big – 73% of your games are being played without – one of the top six players, at least, you know, not playing. Is this a problem for the league? I'll start with Jordan because, you know, you're, you're the gambling guy. You play a lot of parlays. Um, no parlays. No parlays. No parlays. I'm sorry. You, you gamble a lot. Sorry. So is this a problem to you? And then what do you think they should do to fix it? Well, I don't think it's a problem if it's if it's reported correctly. Okay, because that's fair. Mainly information is, is your best key as a gambler, right? So okay. we're all given the same amount of information then it makes it equal. Okay. Um, with that being said, I mean, there's times over the last three years where, like, the Clippers, prime example, <laughs> where it's, like, 15 minutes before tip-off, it's, like, Kawhi's not playing due to knee soreness. <laughs> like, 15 minutes before tip-off? Like, what are we doing here? Why is it that soon? Like, there needs to be a rule like the NFL where you come out with an injury report, Right. And and obviously I know that NBA's played in a in a shorter period, right? Every day. So there there needs to be some sort of rule where it's like come out with an injury report in the morning. These people are questionable, right? Two hours later, update after shoot around. Now they're doubtful, they're questionable, game time decision. And then the game time decision has to be an hour before. Either you're playing or you're not playing. And the NBA does have to do this from a from a logistical standpoint from gambling because gambling is the future of the NBA. Yes. Adam Silver's already said he wants to lean into it all the way. He's like, he wants to, he wants to like, it's, it's, it's a thing. He wants to go. go In the prime example is today, Miles Sanders, he tweets out after the game. Like, I don't care about your fantasy numbers or your (laughs) tickets, dude, those actually pay your contract because (laughs) everybody watching those games is watching them because of gambling. and (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, that's that it's they go hand in hand at this point, right? So they do need to compensate us people wagering on these games. We're we're wagering real US dollars, right? So we need to have the up-to-date information. But I don't think it from a fan standpoint, I think it sucks, dude. 
Yeah. If you're a family and you could take your kid to one and Jason, you're a father like I am. You take your kid to one game a year and you take him to that game and Giannis sits out. Dude, <laughs> I'd be so pissed, bro. You know, Man, so look, I'm, dude, I'm supposed to go to supposed to go to New Orleans next year. And I'm like, I'm scared to buy Pelican tickets because my favorite player is made of glass. <laughs> That's not his fault, dude. I mean, I'm not. It was not as far as a lot of his stuff. Not, but if you just if you're frail, you're frail. You know, what I mean, it's not like some players are just more frail than others. Right. Well, I don't even know if I want to buy the Pelicans tickets because I'm like, well, some teams just resting guys. That's a little much. Yeah. In the terms of yeah. man. yeah, Kings. What do you think, bro? About all this, the 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 heavy, you know, game missing, resting slash injuries. Yeah, man. It's a different. It's just a different league at this point. Um, that's fair. The spacing is just too. It's too. It's too spaced out. Guys are just too good at shooting. You just have to cover more ground in today's NBA. Um, that's why the defense is just so tough to play now. Um, a lot of people don't understand. Like back then, they played tougher. They played tougher defense. Uh, they're allowed to be more physical, but just guys just weren't that good at shooting. So it's like you can just leave guys open, not leave guys open. You can just like cover guys a certain way, and they just wouldn't hurt you from the three point line, the three point line, because they just weren't that good at shooting. Now it's like, or they wouldn't just you, take it. You are right, right, or they wouldn't even take them. Like now it's like, if you like do a closeout, but it's not like, if you're not taking away his space, and that guy's a good three point shooter, it's going in. Like you, like it, it's like you can't just close out with the hand up, slowing down. Like you have to take his space away, or that or that three is going in. It's just a way different game. So that amount of space you have to cover, also the pace being higher, so you're running more. It's it's just more taxing now uh to to defend and then you know i mean so and then you have on offense you know you're playing faster as well yourself so you're also playing faster offense so it's like you're using more energy on offense and you're also having to cover more space on defense it's just the body the wear and tear on the body even though it's a less physical game at the end of the day the actual workload on the legs is just going sideways laterals fast like that matters more like it, the thing is that at the casual fan or that or the old school fan, like they're too caught up on, on on like the flash. It's like with boxing, you know, they care so much about the heavyweight knockout, you know, the brawler. But it's like the thing that's the most tough and the most difficult is the guy who's well conditioned, the Floyd's, the tactical point here, point there, point there, like just wear you down. And that's how that's just how the game is now. Like it's just wearing it just wears you down over the course. So. Um, that's why, you know, you have to take the load managements. You have to make sure everybody's shape. That's why they don't practice as much. You know what I mean? You, they don't really practice as much because, like, it's so much energy you spend during the games now. It's like you, you want to just keep yourself able to get through the whole season. So, it's yeah, man, it's tough. You also go for it, bro. Yeah, man, I think I agree with what both of you said. I think it's also just the regular season just doesn't matter as much anymore. Um I think we saw that with like the old Spurs teams and Braun finally being able to rest after like, I think really that Greg Popovich, like as the big three in the Spurs started aging when they started resting guys, like that's when it really, I feel like became popular. Um, and it's just one of those things, like it, it is a prompt for the NBA, but it's also like those 82 games, like that's the TV deal. Like that's when gets these guys, these big contracts. So exactly. they got to make these, like they have to do it. Um, so I think maybe like, being able to incentivize guys as well, like, all right, play 70 games, uh, here's a contract bonus, um, mm. something like that. 
But and also I know like I used to love back to backs when I was younger, but like in reality, back to back should not be happening. I have no idea. I have, I have no idea why it's still a thing. <laughs> Joseph, that that was that's a great point that you that you hit on about yeah, like it, guy they're landing in at like eight AM somewhere. What's up? I'm freezing. That's all good. That's a great point that you hit on with the back to backs and in too many games because like the NBA is trying to like incentivize the regular season, but they're doing it in all the wrong ways. Like they're naming regular season trophies after guys to try and make it better. Bring out a, a regular season trophy. Like, dude, nobody cares about that. At the end of the day, it's like if you want to make your regular season meaningful, just cut games, make it 62 games. But obviously, we know that's not going to happen. Yeah, that's the that's 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 the most direct solution. But I think me and King's like that's like at that case, it's like putting toothpaste back in the tube. It's just not going to happen. It's yeah. too much money. There's too much money at stake. But we would all agree that it would help the game. Yeah, it'd be a. It's less games, so it's less wear and tear. Like King said, the way the games played, super fast. Guys are flying up and down, have taken up much more space, traveling much more space during the course of a game than they did ever. In NBA history, and secondly, the games are more important. You know what I mean? So everything matters now. I can't. I don't. There's there's less games to try to make up this 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 playoff gap. I'm five games behind. I got to play now. I can't sit. So I think that's what you know taking games away would do. But it just won't happen. It's just too much money. That's uh, you also mentioned all the the TV contracts and the the CBA. There's no way they're they're cutting games back. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Moving on, final topic. Uh, we joked about this in the chat, Jordan and Kings. Also, we have somebody who played who used to have to root, not have to, used to root for this guy, James Harden, in, in a lengthy <laughs> in a lengthy interview, said he won his damn respect, says that he changed basketball and the way it's played. Joseph, I'll start with you. He is a former Thunder. You had the original young big three. By the way, it still shocked me to this day. If you told me 10 years after that group four, they'd never get a title together, I would have been like, you're crazy. They at least get one. That's like one of the biggest what-ifs in NBA history or didn't get their disappointments in NBA history. Um, what was just, What is your reaction on James Harden saying that? Do you think it's true? And um, just, just how do you feel about what he said? I, I, I think James is one of the best like ISO players the league has ever seen. Um, do I think like he's actually changed the game of basketball? I don't know if I would go that far. Um, I think he changed what we think of when we like talk about heliocentric basketball. I mean, he was like mm. heliocentric to the max. Yeah. Um, and like, I'll be honest, like I, I can't like, it was a good PR piece. Like I've been pretty critical of James Harden throughout his career. And like, I felt bad reading it. I was like, damn, like we really don't appreciate this guy a ton, like <laughs> as we should. Um, and I think some of that is kind of on him. Uh, like one of my biggest like critiques have, has always been, I've never felt like James like emptied uh, the bag. Like he, he never went out firing. It was always like two attempts in the fourth quarter, something like that. Um, do I think he's changed his game? I don't know if I'd go that far. I think he's still the same great playmaker he's always been. Um, he's just doing it a little more now and shooting a little less. Um, and he honestly has like a perfect game to age well. The, the hammy has finally healed up and he's looking good. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those things that like it, it's a shame. 
but I, I don't I wouldn't go as far as like him claiming that like he's changed the game of basketball. Um, I you know there's only a few guys I think ever who's really done that, and I just I, he's an all time great, but I just wouldn't go that far. Jordan, I I think he's absolutely changed the game of basketball, and and yeah. I don't mean in a good way. Well, <laughs> uh, you know he's made the game a little bit more ISO, obviously, and uh, you know guys like Trey Young. Um, yeah, you, you see a lot of foul, more foul merchants out there that are guys just <laughs> to get to the foul line more than they are to do anything else, and that's always been James Harden's problem. Once we come go to the playoffs and there's less fouls called, he's always struggled. You know what I mean? And uh, you know, not to take away anything from Trey because he had a great playoff run in 2020, but you know, we have seen a lot of guys kind of imp- implement that style of James Harden, and I. It's it's tough to watch, dude. To be honest, it's it's hard to watch as a basketball fan. Kings, yeah, for me, it was definitely the heliocentric style of play. Um, it was definitely uh, implemented to the max with certain guys because t- certain GMs saw that if they built their roster a certain way around a certain talent, they could maximize it, um, and they could be competitive, so they can get the playoff, t- you know, the playoff deals, the playoff money. Uh, be you know, be quasi competitive for a chip, you know, appease the fan base and, and be able to save money, right? Because you poured into these analytics, you've got this helicentric star, you got these cheap, affordable role players that you can be a competitive team with, even though you didn't invest all the way to go all the way. And then, on the and then, you know, certain type of play styles, like you said, the foul, the foul baiting, just the way he was hooking people's arms, you know, make you know, really bending the rules. Um, guys were doing that. Guys were doing that because they saw how effective he was. I mean, he the dude averaged like 30 plus something for like how many years straight? Like you don't see it as a another guy trying to earn money, trying to be a max player. You there's no way you looked at that and been, was like, man, I'm not gonna do this. No, you're like, if he's doing it, he's <laughs> that's what I need to do it too, so I can get my numbers up just like him. And then you know, one of the patented moves he did have, um, you know, obviously there are step backs before him, but just his step version of it. Uh, guys start implementing a lot because, you know, for a long this time when he started using it, everybody was like, was that a travel? Was that a travel? Then before the breakdown, it wasn't a travel. Then what, next thing you know, everybody else started doing it because, you know, it helped create space. But like like Jordan said, is it a good change? <laughs> because I hated watching the James Harden Rockets play. I absolutely hated watching <laughs> I, I would never try to go out of my way to watch the Rockets play. And any any team that played like the Rockets, I just never liked to watch play. And a lot of people felt the same way. So, yeah, it was effective. Yeah, you know, it, it, it worked more times than not. But it was just not – it was just not fun to watch because, like, he made Hoop his own version of a math game. Like, the Jazz made – Hoop with Rudy and Donovan Mitchell, a math game with the threes they got up. James Harden made it a math game with the amount of shots he could get uh, from the three-point line, in the paint, and from the free throw line. It's like, if I get up this amount of shots, if I, you know, get this amount of assists, and my my teammates take this amount of threes from me, like, we'll, we'll be able to score this much and be able to win this amount of games or be in this game, et cetera. You know, it just made it a math problem that you know he played to, to that to that equation. So it's just redundant play style, horrible on the eyes, very small variation. And yeah, I mean, when pe- people people feel like that. So it's like, yeah, you say, 
you know, I changed the game. And like a lot of people are in the comments like, yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> not, the, not the way we wanted it to be, though. So that's why, you know, a lot of people don't like it. You know? I love math, Kings. I don't so, think thinking about math. <laughs> his, G, his GM was thinking about right. math. I mean, Harden was thinking about his numbers when it came right. to the math. I'm just saying it fit the it fit the play style more he wanted though. So here's where I am. I, I think James Harden he made hunting fouls cool. Like it was like he had people were like, "Hey, that's a good strategy." Like that's it's it's part of scoring. You know what I mean? So, like, I think that part of it was it's, 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 a, it's a strategy. It's a legit strategy. You get other team in foul trouble. You get to score efficiently. If you're over 80% from the line, you know, you you. I think that. I just think the way to get there is when you play, when you play offense with the specific intent of getting fouled not to score a basket, that is where I became a non-fan yep. of James Hart. Like, it was so many, like, there was a period of time where he would go through games and he wasn't trying to score. He was specifically trying to get fouled. Yep. And I think that goes against the integrity of the sport. Is it effective? Absolutely. Is he one of the greatest isolation players in NBA history? Absolutely. But as a lot of people have mentioned, in the playoffs, and you get better refs, the, the whistle tightens up. So it's not as effective, and then you get a lot of the flame outs that he ran into over his career. Um, the turnover record, a lot of times with MIA, his last nine elimination games, he's one and eight. Um, the elimination game this past year, I think he was hurt. I threw him a little bell for that. Only taking two shots in the elimination game this past year. I just it, it, there's too many moments like that. But yes, he did change. He changed the game. Um, King said it's a fair argument whether if it was for the better or not. I, I, I don't enjoy foul hunting. I think there are guys who get fouled, but they're trying to score. Like they're not like I'm playing this possession to score. Like the driving, where, he's, where, where, he's, hook, where he's hooking your arm as you're trying to guard him. I think that goes against the integrity of the game. Is it a good strategy? Absolutely. But I think, you know, King's. Jordan, you've all alluded to this. There are like things that happen within the spirit of the game. And I think that type of stuff goes again. I hate to sound like that old man, you know, that's that's just not how they play the game. But, you know, I feel like, you know, when you do stuff like that, the grabbing of the arms, the the incessant, you know, flopping, throwing yourself around. I just think it that goes against the integrity of the sport. Even though if 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 it's very good strategy because NBA reps are admittedly terrible, I'll say that on a on a night to night basis, I think they miss a lot. So is Jason, you and I are we're the same age, you know. Yeah. And I think we came from we were in the crosshairs of the basketball evolution, right? That's we're, fair. Yeah. That's, we that, that's were a good in one. the uh the the like nineties to the two thousands where the game just kind of like went like this, right? Yeah. Our coaches growing up always told us drive to the basket and at least try to get a bucket or get fouled, get to the foul line, right? Yeah. You know, and then now it's like, you're right, dude. Now it's like he's he's not even trying to drive to the basket to get a bucket. He's trying to get to the foul line, ultimately. Yeah, and I think that was a you know that was the issue I took with hard. You know, uh, that's probably the one fan base on Twitter that I get into with the most because I just 
I think they probably throw him in the Michael Jordan, Kobe, Dwayne Wade tier. That you know, top top of the tier shoot. I, I don't think he's there. I think he's at that. And this is and then people think it's not an insult to say that he's in a similar tier, like that Iverson, Drexler. Like that's not that that's the second tier of shooting guards ever. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's not I just don't think he's on that Wade, Kobe, you know, I think MJ's on his own tier, like if I'm being yeah. real, but I don't think he's in that 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 holy trinity of shooting guards, in my opinion. You know what I mean? He's not even in Dwayne Wade's tier. I don't think so. Like that's the one that gets like y'all know. Like Dwayne Wade was like a he had something to do with those championships, yeah, and he was man. an excellent defender. You, you don't want to get into the shooting guard talk with me. I mean, I remember we had a conversation <laughs> on Twitter with the, with the Suns fans or Devin Booker, and we oh. were going to all time shooting guards. I think we listed like twenty of them before we, before we got to Devin Booker. So you know, I think a lot of people are just very prisoner of the moment in today's game. Yeah, and yeah. The guys that came before and. All the, the you know all the things they accomplished as a, as a shooting guards from the two spot you know I just think people have very short term memories and it's very aesthetic driven you know if a guy's mm, doing it mm. and they, and they doing it with a certain level of skill sets like oh well he's the best because he's doing it like this and with no context for era training development you know rules all that type of stuff so that's funny that was the big thing I think when me and Jordan were uh, in the late teens early twenties. The LeBron Mellow thing, like Mellow might have looked better, <laughs> but LeBron was clearly the more effective scorer. So yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of kind of how that how that how that how that went. Um, man, Yosef, thank you, my brother. This was this was awesome. Please tell the people where they can find you and what you got going on as far as your content. No, yeah, um, I really appreciate y'all having me on. I honestly had a really good time. One of my uh, more favorite podcasts that I've been on. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Thunder Film Room, uh, and then you can follow my work at Swish Theory um, Draft Work. Gonna start breaking down some more Thunder stuff. Been kind of taking the season off because, and it's been kind of hard. Thunder, I've liked running the Dad Boy Nice offense, so it's been a little more difficult than <laughs> usual. Uh, but other than that, yeah, I really appreciate y'all having me on. Nah, I bet it's dope, man. We uh, it was actually King's idea, man. He wanted us to start branching out into into other teams, man. So. Um really from here but yo this was great bro uh, we gotta do this again sometime hopefully we like when you know having these guys on early and when the team gets really good we have you yeah, back you know what I mean? yeah right <laughs> jordan tell us what's going on with you man jordan rules tsp on twitter obviously you can catch me uh sundays tuesday wednesdays on taproom sports podcast 9 15 p.m pacific pacific standard time twitch.tv slash taproom sports podcast if you are a degenerate, you definitely want to tap in because we got winners, baby. We've been winning, especially in football, baby. Uh, college football bowl season is here. Yes, We've sir. lost one so far. We are four and one, gentlemen. All right. Money. I know what it is. Me and Kings are here. Yes, you will not see me on a timeline during weekdays for my mental health. And I'm tired. <laughs> Defending well, Darren. Once the strike is over, I'm gonna join you too. So you know, I ain't working right now, technically. So that's why I be here. Yeah, it's all good. Again, we appreciate you guys tapping into the pod. Joseph, once again, thank you. Follow at RIP Kingsborough. Follow myself, JJ Maples 55 underscore MST. Subscribe, follow the pod, give us feedback. We are out of here. You guys be safe. Let's go, peace, y'all. Oh.